0: Turn your Bibles this morning to 2 Corinthians chapter 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 2, I'm going to have you turn to a good number of passages this morning, and so uh, as many of them as you can turn with me, I'd, I would uh, appreciate it if you did, um, but uh, like I said, there's, there's going to be quite a few of them this morning, so be ready to turn, but uh, competition is always trying to gain an advantage over its competitor, that, and that's done in a lot of different ways, uh, a head start is when a, a, a weaker, younger, or less experienced player is given some kind of advantage in a contest. Uh, anytime I ever run against Brian, I always have to give him a head start uh, to give you an idea of what I'm talking about. No, I'm, I'm teasing, but in golf or in bowling, it's called a handicap, right? Maybe you've been, a, most of you have probably played some sport at some point in your life uh, in a fight. You know, it's tying one arm behind your back. That gives, that, that, that equalizes the advantage. Batting left-handed when you're naturally right-handed is another way to do something like that, to, to try to uh, uh, let the opponent have an advantage. In football, uh, there's, there's lots of different ways that uh, teams try to gain an advantage, deflating the football, right? Uh, Tom Brady. Oh, Miss, Miss Eileen, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Tom Brady didn't deflate the football. Somebody else did it, and he just happened to play with it, but... Uh, you know, stealing playbooks, and all kinds of stuff. people do everything they can to try to get an advantage. The only reason I, the only reason I had to say something about that is because Tom Brady did that against the Colts, and I'm a Colts fan, so uh, we'll leave it at that. But home field advantage is, is another way that, that, um, that, that teams can get a, an advantage, right? And, and when you go into the playoffs and everything, that's, that's what the team wants. They want the home court advantage, the home field advantage, because uh, in basketball especially, it seems like this way, but the the home court advantage makes a big difference. You can hear the crowd a lot louder, and when your team is making a play or steals the ball or does something, you can hear the crowd, and just, it just energizes that home team. And so uh, it, it makes a difference. It, it, it gives that team an advantage. But, but in, in all sports, when there are teams that are serious about winning, they're always practicing. Uh, if it's if it's a school team, it's before and after school it's, it's at night on lunch break because they're trying to gain that slight advantage. But it's not just in sports you see that you see that competition all over the place in, in sales when it comes to retail or any other sales industry, the sales department puts a lot of effort into it getting into getting advantages over their competitor. Uh, making a better product, having better advertising, whatever just to try to gain that slight advantage to try to get people to, uh, to, to buy their product. And there's a lot, of, a lot of ways of letting other teams have that advantage, having other salesmen lead, uh, have an advantage. War is the same way, right? Uh, uh, enemies, armies are always looking for ways to gain that advantage when it comes through uh, different types of weapons or better whatever. Everybody's always looking to try to gain an advantage. And there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not saying that there's anything wrong. Those are just examples. But I'll tell you this. In everyday life, the devil is going to try to do exactly that to us. He is going to try to gain the advantage in one way or the other. He's going to look for that weakness. He's going to try to target that one thing or two things or some, for some of us, maybe 10 things that he, can, that he knows that he can hit that's going to give him the advantage. Now, the Bible says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, beginning in verse 9. For to this end also did I write, that I might know the proof of you, whether you be obedient in all things. To whom ye forgive anything, I forgive also. For if I forgave anything, to whom I forgave it, for your sakes forgave I it in the person of Christ. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. As Christians, we are on the winning side. We have the advantage. We've already won the war. But what I want to tell you this morning is simply this. Don't give up the advantage. Don't give up the advantage. The devil is looking for ways that he can gain that advantage over us. I want to give you some ways that the devil is going to try to take advantage of us so that you're not ignorant of his devices. And I want to share with you how we can keep the advantage over him. Let's pray, and then we'll look at a few things this morning. Father, we love you. Give me thank you so much for how good you are to us. I thank you for the fact that through Jesus Christ, through salvation, we have won the war through Jesus Christ, we can have the victory, but God, I pray, as this verse mentions, that we will not give Satan the advantage in our lives, that we're not ignorant of the way that he's trying to get us and try to take the advantage away from us in winning our spiritual battles that we face every single day of our life. And God, I pray that you'd help us as we look at these things this morning, that you'd give us something from you that we can use to help us go forward for the cause of Jesus Christ. Well, thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. The first thing that Satan will use is that he'll use times of sorrow or disappointment to gain an advantage of us. All of us are going to experience sorrow at some point. Uh, It's a very hard time. If you've not experienced sorrow, you're going to at one time or another. Uh, some of us are experiencing sorrow right now. It might be a death. It might be an injury. It might be an unexpected retirement. There's so many different ways that we experience sorrow. Some people might be just getting over a a broken heart. For some, it may be just around the corner. You don't know what's coming. We can't see the future, and something very unexpected might happen. Uh, Anything. It doesn't have to be just that somebody dies or something like that. It could be something that really changes your life, turns your life around, and not necessarily in a good way. But times of sorrow can be very destructive times in our life. It can be a very demanding time. Our patience, the mental stress, and just on and on and on with the ways that that sorrow works on us and and just seems to just put us through a ringer and make life difficult for us. And you can count on the fact that the devil is going to be jumping in with his bunch of lies. Turn over to John chapter 8. God doesn't love you or he wouldn't have allowed that to happen. That's what the devil tells us often, isn't it? Hey, it's your fault that this happened. That, this only happens to you. Don't let those lies cause you to give an advantage over to Satan. He's going to try to trick you. And a lot of times we fall into that trick. He, he's, he's subtle, he's crafty, but he's a liar. And the Bible says that in John chapter 8, and verse 44. Ye are of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and a bow not in the truth. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. He's not going to tell you the truth, right? The devil does that, and this is not necessarily what I'm talking about today, but the devil does that often with all kinds of different things, you know? Every time you see a, an advertisement for beer or some of these other vices that the devil, he might, tries to make it look like everybody's having so much fun, right? Boy, what an enjoyable time it is to go out and get drunk. What an enjoyable thing it is to go smoke and do all these other different things, right? But does not show you that the drunk in the gutter Whose, whose vomit is all over himself because he, he couldn't, you know, couldn't control that, that drinking, right? And the devil never shows you the end. He, he tries to show you how much fun this all is. And the devil does the same thing in our life when he's trying to get the advantage over us through sorrow, right? He's going to tell you all the things that, you, that, that, that he thinks that, that he can use to try to get you to come away from God. God doesn't love you. Right? If, if, you fall into that, if you fall into that trap and you believe that lie that God really doesn't love you, why would you ever want to serve him? Right? And there's a lot of people who, who, who go through sorrow, who go through difficult times, who the devil comes and says, God doesn't really love you, or he wouldn't let you go through that. Right, And they fall into that trap, and the next thing you know, the devil has the advantage of them because he's pulled them away. And it's all based on lies. It's all based on a foundation that, that crumbles when it's brought into the light of the word of God. But the devil is an expert at lying, and he'll, he, he'll use means that are not right. He'll make up his own rules. He does not play fair. Satan always attacks most when we're weakest and most vulnerable. I like to watch the nature shows. I don't get a chance to do it very often, but that's one of the things that I really enjoy watching. And, and you know, you've got these, uh, a whole hour-long show about these animals, and, and one of the things that, that you see, you know, that maybe I shouldn't confess this, but that I like to watch the most is when they're attacking their prey, Right? And you watch them and they're all running scared and the next thing you know this lion just jumps out of nowhere and like tackles this, this deer or something. But you notice, if you ever watch those things, they never attack the strongest one in the group. right? They're always looking for a, a baby that's, that's, you know... Uh, weak, or they're always looking for a, an old or a feeble deer or a zebra or something like that. And 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 you know, obviously, they have that sense about them that they know that this thing is this thing is weak, and and this is something that I can really take an advantage of. And that's exactly where the devil hits us, right? He's going to attack us when we are at our weakest. He doesn't come at us when we're strong. He doesn't attack us when we're you know when we're when our faith is strong and we're excited about what God's doing. He attacks us when we're weak. He attacks us when we're vulnerable. Even when people come out of the sorrows, at times they're depressed and they're discouraged and the devil uses that to keep us from being effective for God. When we go through a difficult time, the devil is there to hound us and and often we're affected by the devil not to work for God. We have to be careful of that device. We should not be ignorant of the fact that the devil is going to use times of sorrow and disappointment to try to gain an advantage over us in our spiritual lives. But the second thing that the devil will use is that he'll use the tool of affliction, To gain an advantage. Turn over to Psalm 25. We just mentioned the idea of those those nature shows. And I'm I'm sure the Bible was, uh, uh, or Peter was not thinking of that obviously when he wrote this. But I'm sure that he had seen this at some point because he wouldn't have said it in 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary the devil as a roaring lion walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Somehow they had that picture in their mind. They knew what a a lion could do to a person. And he said, Satan is exactly like that. He's trying to get the advantage. He will devour you if he's given the opportunity. See, when you're saved, you're you're saved for all of eternity. And the devil's no fool. He's going to try to hinder people from getting saved because if he can keep them from, from coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior, then obviously he's got them exactly where he wants them. But once you come to know Jesus Christ as your Savior... His only alternative is to hinder your work for God. His only alternative is to try to keep you from being effective for God for the rest of your life. And he'll throw all kinds of things in our path to keep that from happening. We can rise above all the devil before us. In Psalm 25, verse number 17, the Bible says this, the troubles of my heart are enlarged. Oh, bring thou me out of my distresses. Look upon my afflictions and my pain and forgive all my sins. Consider my enemies for they are many and they hate me with cruel hatred. You see, any affliction that you go through is allowed by God. The devil is not at liberty to cause affliction without God's permission. Now, sometimes we don't understand why God gives permission to allow us to go through those things. So why does God allow those things? We'll look at the example of Job, right? We're not going to take the time to go back to Job 1, but all the way through Job 1, we see Satan says, I bet you, essentially is what he's saying, I bet you that if you let me take Job's health, he'll curse you to your face. And God said, not Job. Go try it. And he took his health. He took his family. He took all these different things. Satan kept coming back. And I bet you if I take him, I bet you if if you take this from him, he'll curse you. I bet you if you do this, he'll he'll curse you. Right? And God said, not Job. Not Job. And Job, obviously, he realized the whole purpose of the thing. When he had tried me, I shall come forth as gold. Now, if you look at Job's life, you would think, Job, hey, this is, this is gold. This is God's gold right here. This is one of, his, one of his, his prime servants. And Job still, even at the end of all that, said, hey, God's tried me so that I could be refined, so that I could come forth as gold. But see, God always allows them for our good and for his glory. That's why we're allowed to go through trials. That's why we're allowed to go through difficulties. How is that for my good? Well, we may not see it now. But when it's passed, and when we look back on it, we can always see how God used that for his good, and how God is, if we allow him to, will be glorified through everything that we deal with. It's never for our harm. Turn over to Romans chapter eight. I know this is a, a verse that's familiar to you uh, in Romans chapter eight and verse twenty-eight, but I think the entire passage fits really well in context with us. In context context with that. Help us to understand that as well. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good. That's where most people stop, right? And we know that all things work together for good. Not necessarily, right? you got to continue on with that verse. To them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose, for whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You talk about predestination and, and foreknowledge and all that stuff. That is there so that we can be conformed to the image of his son. Moreover, verse 30, whom he did predestinate, them he also called, and whom he called, them he also justified, and whom he justified, them he also glorified. What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Hey, once you know God, once Jesus Christ is your savior, it is him and us against the world it doesn't matter what comes up at that point if you're in God's corner if God's in your corner and I don't mean to say that in a disrespectful way at all but if we're on the same side then it doesn't matter what comes up God against anybody is an advantage and so when we join his side then us and God plus anybody we have the advantage and Satan is going to try to take that away from us during affliction a person is very vulnerable to the attack we need to be aware that we are more vulnerable at times Right? Oh not me, I'm a strong Christian and, and then something happens and oh how did I how did that how did I fall? How did I let that happen? Because there are times when we are more vulnerable. And the devil the devil recognizes that and he's going to try to attack us in those times when we are more vulnerable to those attacks. We, we can't be like the ostrich that sticks its head in the sand and pretends that, that there's no danger, right? Uh, it's like, like a little kid that uh, plays hide-and-seek, and, seek and they, they start counting, and here they are doing this, and they think that nobody can see them, right? And, and that's sometimes how we think about the devil. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to get away from the devil, so I'm hiding from him. He, he surely can't see me, right? I got, no, but, that's, but the devil is going to take advantage of us when we think that he's not going to take advantage, and that's why he can gain that advantage over us during those times. The military uses special tactics when they're moving through enemy, enemy territory. They'll always take the high ground wherever they can, uh, wherever they can take the high ground. They're not going to cross an open field if they can help it. They'll they'll, they'll follow a tree line or something like that. They, they will, uh, when they're on patrol, they never they never return on the same path that they went out on as they're marching. Or or moving across enemy territory, they they don't march in a single file line. They spread out five, six, seven feet apart, so that a single spray of gunfire cannot just take out a whole line of people at one time. They're very aware that the enemy is not their friend. The enemy is out to get them, and they're not going to, you know, they'll, they'll kill them at the first opportunity. And so, because of that, they take those precautions. They take every every caution that is necessary to avoid becoming a casualty. And we have to have the same approach to the devil's attack. He does not care about us. He does not care what happens to our spiritual life. He is doing everything he can to gain that advantage over us and cripple us spiritually. And if we don't pay attention to the fact that the devil is trying to do that, then we are more vulnerable to those attacks. We have to keep the devil from getting an advantage of us, but he's going to use times of sorrow and disappointment. He's going to use the tool of affliction. But number three, he'll also use an unforgiving spirit to gain an advantage if Satan can get you to harbor hate in your heart, then he has you. See, hate, hate does more damage to the vessel in which it was stored than it does to the one on which it is poured, right? Uh, don't hold a grudge. That grudge is going to kill you spiritually. It's going to damage you. Somebody, somebody said one time that having bitterness in your heart is like taking poison to try to kill somebody else. And that's exactly the way that, that that's what bitterness is. Most of the time that the person you have bitterness against doesn't even know you're bitter toward them and doesn't even know why if they do know that you're bitter toward them, right? You, you, when a man goes home with a grudge against somebody else, he stays up all night walking the floors and, and building up hate for that person in his heart. The person that he's building up the hate for is at home sleeping in their bed and having a good night. The only person that is d- destroyed by that is the person that's harboring that bitterness. The only person that's, that, that, that is disadvantaged is the one that's harboring that hate. Satan will have you where he wants you if you have an unforgiving spirit. Turn over to Psalm 66. See, an an unforgiving spirit will control your entire thinking process. You won't be able to think properly. You won't be able to make good decisions. You'll become harsh. You'll become unkind with your family and with your friends. The only way to take care of that is to pray that hate out of your heart, to pray that, that bitterness out of your heart. There comes a time in every Christian's life when we have to outgrow that unforgiving spirit. Only spiritual babies continue to live that way, and that's obviously not the way that God intended for us to live. So your, your prayer line will be closed off if you have an unforgiving spirit. Psalm 66, verse number 18 says, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Don't, don't let anyone block your prayer time. If someone does something to you that's wrong, somebody does you wrong, think about this. Is that person really worth losing my power with God? Well, not if, you, not if they've done something wrong to you. They're certainly not worth that. Let it go. Let it go. Let that bitterness go. Let that hate go. What good does it do you to hold on to that hate? Only thing it does is give the devil an advantage over you. Your prayer life is too valuable for you to lose. The privilege in prayer is literally one of the greatest things that we have. Could you imagine having somebody that you could go to every single day when you ran into an issue and say, hey, I need money for this. I need money for that. Hey, I need, uh, this happened to my car. Can you fix it? And they go fix it. And hey, this happened. Uh, I got somebody in the hospital. Can you pay this money? And they pay it. I mean, what a, what, a great, what a great line that would be, right? What a great opportunity that would be to have somebody that didn't matter what the issue was, they could take care of it for you. We have that in prayer, Now, sometimes God doesn't answer that prayer the way that we expect him to, the way that we want him to. But God, if we have that line of communication open between us and him, he will hear and he will answer our prayers. But when you regard that iniquity, when we hold that bitterness, when we hold that hate in our heart, that is is a sin that is blocking our line of communication between us and heaven. And it's not worth it. It's not worth it. It, what, What is it doing to that other person? Is it getting them back? They're going to know that they did that wrong to me. Hey, let them be the one that, that has their prayer life hindered. Let them be the one that has to deal with the issues because of what they did to you. Don't let that take the advantage away from you in your spiritual life. Everybody can pray, but not everybody can get a hearing from God. Some have cut off those lines of communication. And honestly, in the military, again, that's one of the main targets is the line of communication. It's a little bit different now because there's so many different lines of communication that are open, but especially in, in uh, the battles that they used to fight, more hand-to-hand combat, man, one of the main things that they would target is that communication line, because if you can cut off the communication, then you can, keep, you can keep any kind of word from traveling back and forth, and you can really disrupt an entire army because of that, right? I, I, I read, uh, we, just, we were up in Lexington this week, and... Uh, I read that when Stonewall Jackson, uh, there at the Stonewall Jackson's house there, you can see it, uh, Lexington, and they got a little museum that's there and a lot of really cool artifacts if you've never been up there. But one of the things that they did as soon as, as, soon as Stonewall Jackson was killed is they cut off that line of communication. They, they cut all those communication lines so that word could not travel back that Stonewall Jackson was dead. He was so well known as a great leader, as a great general, that if they found out that Stonewall Jackson was dead, they were, were going to attack probably immediately. They cut those lines so that nobody could find out, and it took them a while to find out that Samuel Jackson actually was killed. But that's the thing. That those lines of communication are so important. Don't let the devil gain the advantage over us by breaking that line of communication between us and God. See, if you're harboring that bitterness in your heart, he's done exactly what he's trying to do, and that is cut off that line of communication between us and heaven, and it's not worth it. It's not worth it not ignorant of his devices. That's one of the things that the devil will do is try to keep you harboring, maybe not just bitterness, maybe not just but whatever else it is in your life that'll keep that line of communication split between you and God. He's gonna use times of sorrow and disappointment. He's gonna use the tool of affliction. He's gonna use an unforgiving spirit, number four. He's gonna use times of persecution to gain an advantage. And some of this kind of goes hand in hand, but how do you handle that persecution? Turn over to 2 Timothy chapter three. The question is not, if persecution is coming, the question is when. If you live for God, persecution is going to come. He says this in 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 12. Yea, and all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. See, persecution for those who live for Jesus Christ is as sure as the sun is going to rise. It's as sure as water is wet. Persecution is going to come for those who are living godly in Christ Jesus. But, verse 13, evil men and seducers shall wax worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned, and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. And that from a child thou hast known the holy scriptures, which are able to make thee wise into salvation through faith, which is in Christ Jesus. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. Think about this. If you're not facing persecution or ridicule or strange looks or mocking, then maybe it has to do with the fact that you're not living godly in Christ Jesus. I preached a message, I don't know, it's probably been a year ago. If you find it easy to be a Christian, you're probably not one. Because that's exactly what it is. We're going to face persecution in this life. The devil does not want us to live godly in Christ Jesus. And so he's going to allow that persecution to come somewhere in your Christian life. You have to learn how to handle persecution. You have to develop a, a method of victory over those who persecute you, and it's not to persecute them in return. Most Christians are going to run from persecution. They'll leave the church. They'll, they'll just stop going. There are subdivisions around here that are filled with Christians who were persecuted in some manner or in some church, and they, and they were hurt by it, and now they're suffering by not going to church at all. That's not how you get over persecution. You don't just stop going. You don't just just run from it. If you're you're a godly in Christ Jesus, you are going to face that persecution. How dreadful is that? Who's the loser in that situation if you just run from God in an attempt to get away from that situation, from that persecution? Persecution will come to you over and over and over again until you learn to gain victory over it. That's the test that you have to pass. What are we supposed to do? Run away? Get even? Ignore it and hope it'll leave? No, the Bible says in verse number 14 there, but continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of knowing of whom thou hast learned of. Continue doing what you know is right. Follow the word of God. G- gain assurance in your doctrine and what you believe. That's why, that's why we're doing this, this series on, on, uh, on Sunday nights. It's so important to understand what we believe and why we believe them, and if you know why you believe those things, then nothing is going to shake that foundation when the devil sends that persecution and tries to get you to step away from those doctrines, step away from those things that you know. Don't throw out the window when somebody jumps on your case. Don't fall into the devil's trap of failing and persecution. Turn over to Deuteronomy chapter 1. Don't be discouraged or it'll defeat you. Uh, one of the greatest weapons of the devil is discouragement. And I sort of hit on this already, but in Deuteronomy chapter 1, the children of Israel were looking at going into the promised land, and they sent the spies into the land to go see if there was a possibility for them to go take it. In Deuteronomy chapter 1 and verse 8, they say this, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we, the cities are great and walled up to heaven, and moreover we have seen the sons of the Anakims there." See, when we look through the eyes of discouragement, everything gets out of proportion. And this, this was the promised land. This is what God had said he was going to give them forever. This was their promised land. And then they go in there and they see a couple giants and they see a couple walled cities and they say, man, I don't think we can go up. I mean, the, the spies brought this word back. It's discouraging to us. There is no way that we can go up into the promised land, Right? It was all because of discouragement. Notice what's being said here. The Israelites are asking Moses, Whither shall we go up? Can we really go up against this enemy? Can we stand against them? Are you sure you're doing the right thing, Moses? Are you sure this is right for us to do? Satan uses that on, his work, on workers, those who really want to do something for God. We're not to let discouragement affect us. To be discouraged over, over long periods of time is to have ignored the promises of God and to have believed only in ourselves. Galatians chapter 6 says this, and let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. In due season, in due season we shall reap if we faint not. Doesn't mean that we're going to see the blessings today. Doesn't mean that we're going to see the advantage today. Look, you put a, you put a A a, a corn kernel in the ground you put any seed in the ground and you don't go out the next day and see this giant stalk of corn do you it takes time and a farmer believes it that's why he keeps planting year after year after year after year because he knows that it takes time but in due season we shall reap if we faint not discouragement will be caused by the world but can also come from within it's discouraging to me sometimes when we when it seems like we're not really accomplishing much for God You know, we're we're trying to put an emphasis on on being in church and coming to the services and people don't show up. That discourages me sometimes. It shouldn't, but it does. And there's all kinds of things that we allow sometimes in our lives to discourage us. Look, this building situation, if we allow it, it could be a very discouraging thing. Why why is not God taking care of us? Hey, this whole thing looked like it was going to work out and it fell through. Why is God not? He doesn't care about us. This is so discouraging. You know what? Why are we even looking for a building in the first place? Right? There's a lot of things that we can allow to discourage us and the devil is going to try to use that as an advantage over us to keep us from trusting God's timing, from trusting in his plan, from having faith in knowing that God is in control and that he does have something for us. Not just as a church in a a church building, but in our lives. He knows what's going on. Nothing takes him by surprise. The devil jumps right in the middle of my back and says, see, no, nobody else cares. Why should you? I have to tell them, get thee behind me, Satan. You cannot prevail because Jesus never fails. I have to just go on and do what's right. We have to just go on and do what's right. Number five, I'll give you this. The devil's going to use public opinion to gain an advantage. See, Satan is very shrewd. Everybody wants to be liked. Nobody wants to be booed or, or, or ignored. Satan knows that we as people don't like to be unpopular. And at times, you have to be unpopular with the public. At times, you have to do what God wants you to do, and you, and you have to side with the minority. But he, he'll use public uh, opinion as a tool against you. I want to be well thought of. You want to be well thought of. But, but listen, not at a departure from the truth of the word of God. And when, it, when, when the when time comes, and the time is already here where we've had to take a stand against things that are not popular in this world today, or maybe I should say against things that are popular in this world today. It's not popular to take a stand against those things. But if they're in the Word of God, we have to stand on the truth of the Word of God, regardless of what public opinion is telling us we have to do. Well, what my friends think of me if I get saved and, and jump in and be involved in the church? doesn't make a difference what the public thinks. I can tell you there are so many people, so many times, that, that are under conviction uh, about needing to, to come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior in a church service, but because they have friends that are sitting next to them or because they, 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 they look around and think, what is everybody else going to think about me if I get up and go forward and accept Jesus Christ as my Savior? Or, or sin is being preached against, and, and you know that, that God is convicting you, and you say, man, if I get up and go forward during that service, they're going to think that I have this huge problem with this sin. and Hey, is it right to get it right or not? Does it matter what the public thinks about you? It shouldn't because God God is more concerned about our heart being right with him. And when we're concerned more about what the public thinks, when we're concerned more about what other people think, then the devil has gained an advantage over us in our spiritual lives. Don't worry about what your friends may think. You're not going to give an account of your life here on earth to your friends. One of these days we're going to stand before God and it's him that we're going to give an account to. And his opinion is the only one that matters. If I get totally involved in church and in God's service, my friends are going to think I'm a fanatic. Great. It's better to be a fanatic for God than a fool and a failure for the devil any day. Let me give you this quickly as we close. How do we keep the advantage from Satan? Turn over to James chapter 4. Number one, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. That's exactly what it says there in James chapter 4 and verse number 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. How do we resist? You ever seen those high-speed police chases on TV? The person running from the police is resisting arrest. They're doing everything they can to get away from the police. And that's exactly what we have to do when it comes to Satan. We do everything we can to get away from him. Everything we can to keep him from getting that advantage doing everything we can not to get caught in his net, caught in, caught by his devices. Turn over to Ephesians chapter 4 because the second thing that we do to keep the advantage from Satan is this. Give no place to the devil. And that's exactly what it says there in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse number 27. Neither give place to the devil. See, so if you give him an inch, he'll become your ruler. We cannot give the devil any room in our lives. He's going to take one more inch, then he's going to take another, then he's going to take another, and eventually he will take over. You'll no longer be reading your Bible and praying. You'll no longer be witnessing for the cause of Jesus Christ. Then you're more than, nothing more than just a commonplace Christian, and there are so many of those in this world today that are Christians, but they're doing nothing for the cause of Christ because they've given that advantage over to Satan. 2 Corinthians chapter 2 and verse 11 was one of the verses that we read in our text. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignorant of his devices. We can overcome the enemy. Satan wants us to think that we're already defeated. Oh, the Bible is filled with verses. Romans chapter 8 and verse th- 37. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. First John chapter 5 and verse 4. For whatsoever is born of God overcometh the world. And this is the victory that overcometh the world. Even our faith, who is he that overcometh the world, but he that believeth that Jesus is the Son of God. Hey, we're not defeated. We're the victors. Satan is the one who is defeated. And I love those verses in in Revelation that say, Satan already knows what his end is. He already knows that his end is going to be one day that he's going to spend eternity in the lake of fire that he's trying to bring as many people with him as he can too. He's already defeated. He's the loser. Final victory. ...is at death. Turn over to 1 Corinthians 15 and we're done. We've read this passage before. Many times it's very familiar to you. In fact, I think we read it in the last couple of weeks. But what a tremendous, tremendous passage. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 54. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption... ...and this mortal shall have put on immortality... ...then shall be brought to pass the thing that is written... ...death is swallowed up in victory... O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. the Truth is, we already have the victory. All we have to do is claim it. We don't have to let the devil get an advantage over us. We can fight him because though he has the tools to get an advantage, hey, we don't have to be ignorant of his devices. And if we point those things out, we say, hey, he's going to use this tool. Hey, he's going to use this tool. Hey, he's going to try to use that to get you. He's going to use discouragement. He's going to use sorrow. He's going to use persecution. He's going to use public opinion. He's going to use all these things against you to try to gain an advantage over you. Don't give it to him. Don't give him an inch. We have the tools that we need to get the advantage over him. We have our testimony, we have our Bible, we have prayer, we have our witness. We can defeat him. Satan wants you to think that he's this unstoppable opponent. Ah, you're, you're going to fail, you're going to fall because he's unstoppable, and just, that's just what happens to everybody in their Christian life. From time to time, you fall. Why? We don't have to. We allow Satan to get the advantage, and that's when we fall. But we don't have to. We have the victory. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. We have the greatest commander that we could ever have leading us into battle. If we would just follow him, Satan would never get an advantage of us again. Don't let him cut off those lines of communication. Don't let him use sorrow. Don't let him use discouragement. Don't let him use disappointment. Don't let him use those things against us. God's promised that we don't have to. God's promised us that we can have that victory in our Christian life. Don't give up the advantage. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Again, we thank you for your goodness to us. I thank you for the fact that if we know Jesus Christ is our Savior, ah, we've already won. There is no reason that we need to give up any ground. There is no reason that we need to give up any advantage. We're, We're already the winners so God, I pray that you'd help us to fight against these things in our, in our Christian lives. I pray that you'd help us to fight against bitterness and, and any other sin that the devil's going to try to use in our lives to keep that line of communication closed off between us and you. I pray that, that, and I know that there are so many people, even in the service this morning, let alone those that are watching online because they cannot be here because of sickness or whatever. God, there's so many people that are going through so many difficult things in our church right now. The devil's going to try to use that, not only to discourage the people that are going through it, but their, their families that are going through it with them, our church, because we're going through all of those things together. The devil's going to try to use those. God, I pray that you would help us to just continue to move forward by faith and that we would not give even an inch of ground over to the devil. And God, where decisions need to be made, I pray that you'd help us to make them this morning. There is somebody in here that does not know for sure that they're saved, does not know for sure that Jesus Christ is their Savior and that they're on their way to heaven. God, I pray that they'd get that taken care of today as well, lest Satan should get an advantage over us. I pray that you'd help us not to be ignorant of his devices. And God, I pray that you'd use us in a great way as Christians. Pray pray that you'd use our church in a great way in this community. Well, thank you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen.